to become a good runner and meet your goals, you need to be consistent. Like consistency is a huge piece. You can't be consistent if you're always injured. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wita L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 56. Today, I have Tammy White. She is a running coach. After working in education for 12 years, Tammy chose to follow her passion of coaching and fitness and started her own coaching business, TY Training and Wellness. Her business is different from others in that she focuses on running smarter. She focuses on injury prevention, strength training, and building a welcoming community for all runners. While she loves coaching runners of all levels, she has found a particular fondness for coaching runners who consider themselves middle to back of the Packers. In addition to run coaching and strength training, she provides through her business. She's also a group fitness instructor at Equinox in Chicago. Personally, she has a goal of running either a half or a full marathon in all 50 states, with 27 being completed so far. Please welcome Tammy to the show. Well, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I think your bio is very interesting. You worked in education for 12 years. What made you stop working in education to pursue your passion? So, honestly, I was just very burnt out of education. So, yeah, I, I was really burnt out. I had three positions in education that had very toxic environments. Um, mm-hmm. And I had started coaching part-time with a local running store. And my degree is in exercise science. So um, I've always been interested in that. But um, I, I started coaching part-time and I really enjoyed run coaching. And as I got more burnt out from education and really didn't enjoy my jobs anymore, I started thinking more about run coaching as a full-time thing. And I really just saw that there was an opportunity there. So summer of 2017, I uh, left education and, and started my LLC. Okay. So what made you go into coaching in the first place? I assumed you have been running for a while. I feel like coaching is very similar to teaching. Like the reason I went into coaching is similar to why I went to teaching. So after I graduated from Michigan, I went to, I had to teach for America. So I did teach for America because I wanted to make a difference. And that's always kind of been a big motivator for me is making a difference in other people's lives. And so coaching is similar to that. Like you're just making a difference in a different part of someone's life um, as adults versus, you know, teaching kids. Yeah, I just saw it as a way to make a difference. Um, I had worked part-time at a, like a running store in DC and that store closed. And then it kind of like the next week, I saw this email from a, that they're looking for coaches to help coach their group program. And I was like, Oh, well, 
I should go to this training. And so that's kind of how I initially got into it. I did coach cross country and track when I taught when I was first was a teacher. So I had coached like kids before coaching is I like being able to positively impact people's lives. And so that's the reason why I got into coaching in the first place is to make a difference. So you were already certified as a running coach when you were teaching as far as running coaches, as far as the certifications that you need to, to teach. So when you're coaching cross country and track in like in a middle school setting, like you don't need a certification. For okay. That. Like you did, okay. you just need to be like CPR first aid certified. Just that's pretty much the same for any, any program. Um, I okay. don't know at the high school level, but generally you don't need to be certified. Even as honestly, like even as a running coach, I am roadrunner certified coach, but you don't have to be like, okay. you, you really, honestly, the fitness industry is very unregulated. Um, I mean, I do have a number of certifications. Like I have a personal training certification. I have a different strength certification. I have roadrunners, um, run coach certification, nutrition certifications. I have a lot of certifications just because I, I think it's important that if you are going to be coaching something, the run coaching, you kind of like, it's a, it's a science, but it's also a lot of an art because mm -hmm. you know a lot about run coaching, but until you work with people, um, that's when you really like figure out how to best coach people. Cause everyone's different. And mm -hmm. I mean, and it's also like, you have to figure out who is your ideal person to work with. And I think for me, I've kind of like learned through it's been four years now of working with different people who I like to work with. And I do have the luxury now of turning people away of like, you know, yeah, with one-on-one -on -one clients, I do screen them more because I know in the past, like red flags that have come up and things that haven't worked for me. So I know more what to look for with people to see if they would be a good fit for me in terms of my style of how I coach. So fitness industry is very unregulated. I do think it's important to have certifications, especially if you're doing like anything that's strength related because, mm -hmm. you know, coaching, run coaching. Yes. There is like better ways to like, there's certain ways that things that work better than others in terms of like coaching with strength in particular, uh, it, like proper form and just like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into strength stuff. And so I cringe when I see people who don't have a background, don't have any certifications in it doing strength stuff. Cause I'm like, no, you really should have a certification. You, and you also need to have worked with people. And I think that's just an unfortunate piece of the fitness industry and social media is just, there's just so much unregulated stuff and people don't really know what to look for if they're not in the industry. So, so what is something good to look for when you're looking for a run coach or fitness coach or even a nutrition coach? Yeah, great question. So I don't use my nutrition cert. So I did it more for just my own knowledge. I don't know if I'll actually use it. I mean, I do like give nutrition guidance with my athletes, but it's mm -hmm. not something I specifically have as a service. But with run coaches, I think like when you're looking at a running coach, it's just like any other like type of coach, you want to make sure you have a good fit just like any other relationship, like a friendship or a romantic True. relationship. True. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think it has to be a good fit on both ends. So I have two main programs with my run coaching. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is all completely customized. And that's more intimate, has more access to me. And then I have group coaching, which is still pretty customized for a group program, but I don't have as much one-on-one um, -on -one interaction with them. So if that's not a good fit, like they will weed themselves out because group coaching is more 
cyclical with races versus Mm -hmm. one-on-one is more long-term typically. So with one-on-one coaching, it's kind of a two-step process. So first they need to apply. So I, I have questions that kind of will give me a good sense if they'll be a good fit just based on a few things. And then if it looks like they'll be a good fit, I'll reach out, schedule a call and and have a conversation. So that typically, I, I kind of go over like my big expectations and I also, you know, make sure I answer all their questions. And the call generally tells me if, and just based on their questions and things they're wondering about if it's going to be a good fit. And, you know, some people are just like, and I can tell it's going to be a good fit. And some people, and I always am like, you know, if you want to proceed, these are the next steps. And some people are like, yeah, let's get started. So we go. And then some people, you know, want to think about it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And there's been some people who I can tell on the call that they're not going to be a good fit for me mm-hmm. because of kind of what their goals are. Or I just like, I know that I won't be the best coach to help them meet their needs. And I just tell them that, you know, this is, I don't think it's going to be the best fit, but you know, these are some, typically if it was like a good conversation, I, um, but just not a good fit. I, I guide them. I give them some other potential options. Like I had one girl who definitely needed like a dietitian that was based on kind of what she was, her challenges and what she wanted. She needed help with her uh, nutrition first mm-hmm. and really help with like a meal plan, a dietitian, someone that had that um, education to, to help her. Yeah. But I think for someone that's looking for a coach, other than fit, making sure, like, especially if you're looking for a one-on-one coach, like someone that is going to customize your plan based on like whatever your goals are. And Mm -hmm. that is very much my one-on-one is like, it doesn't matter what your goals are. You need to have a goal. I think Mm -hmm. like if you are looking for a coach, you need to have a goal that you're working towards. Otherwise it doesn't make any sense. And you need to kind of know what you want to get out of that coaching relationship. Because if you go into it, not sure what you want, it's like not really going to be a successful relationship in my, in my experience. Yeah. It's just like, you know, (laughs) you need to know what you're working toward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, Oh, I want to, if it's general, it's like, well, I don't know. It's just, there's no sense of urgency and, and whatever, but, and then just fitness coaches in general, or if we're looking for a strength coach or whatever, like you definitely want to look to see what their experience is. So I think for me, it's like, I have several certifications, but I've also taught in group fitness for four years. So like I taught at orange theory for for almost three years. I teach at Equinox currently. I've like throughout the pandemic, I did Zoom classes uh, for a long time, but I have, and I've taught cycling. I used to teach cycling classes as well at some studios in DC. So I have like, I've taught um, group fitness and I've taught a lot of people and I've worked with a lot of people. So it's not like I just have a personal training certification, strength certification. I've done nothing with it. Like mm-hmm. I've worked with people. And so and I just launched a strength program for runners um, as well. So I think when you're looking at people, looking at their experience, what they've done, looking at what other clients have achieved with them. I don't always do a good job of like, I have it on my, I have a lot of it on my website and I always do a good job on social media, something I'm working on, but like showing what clients have done. Cause I have a lot of people that have done a lot of great things. I just don't always do the best job of um, showcasing them on social media, which is really in this day and age, how people see what you do. But yeah, looking for the results that you want to see and does your, has your coach delivered them? I think also it's like, do their values, general values align with them? So like, I mean, for me, it's like, I I mean, I talk about social justice stuff sometimes on my Instagram and if people don't agree with that, well, they're not the right client for me. (laughs) So, you know, like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm, that's my values as a person. And like, if you don't 
if you don't align with my values as a person, I'm not going to be a good coach for you because we're just not going to get along as people. <laughs> That's true. So yeah. Anyway, that was a long answer, but they answered it. So my question, but it's funny. I was kidding with one of my friends. We were talking about coaches, triathlon coaches. And I'm like, it's kind of like dating. It's a lot of trial and error. And it's like, it's trying to, it's hard to find the person that's just for you and everyone has their positives and minuses. So it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to get that right person. Yeah, not for sure. So what's your idea? You mentioned that it wasn't a good fit for you. What do you find is a good client for you? One, like I said, someone who has a, a specific goal and it's performance related. I don't really, I don't coach weight loss. So, you know, if, if people want to lose weight, that's a, that's perfectly fine. But it's not, if that is their main goal, I'm not going to be the right coach for them because I coach to performance. So if they lose weight in the process of training for something, that's fine. And I've had, especially my, some of my guy clients be like, yeah, I lost like 25 pounds or something like that just because they've been consistent with their training and things like that. And that's perfectly fine. But I, this is not something that I, I put any sort of emphasis on, like for coaching for performance, we want to get you to perform your best. So that's one thing. If people talk a lot about wanting to lose weight, then that's not going to be a good fit for me personally. If their communication is off. So I've had before where people kind of, they say we want to work together. And a girl who like, she signed the contract and Mm -hmm. then she ghosted for like three weeks and then three weeks later she paid the first payment <laughs> and I was like after I followed up twice or two mm-hmm. or three times I'm like mm-hmm. and this last one I was like hey I'm just assuming you don't want to work together anymore that's perfectly fine you know whatever and I and but she paid it and then had no explanation for why she didn't communicate with me and I was no. and that's something I stress on my call is like the biggest thing to me is communication I can't coach mm-hmm. you well if you don't communicate with me. Like I can only coach you as well as you communicate with me. Like if something's going on in your life mm-hmm. that's going to impact your training, if you're having aches and pains or whatever it may be, if just work super stressful and we need to take an extra rest day because of life stuff, like that's all stuff I need to know about as a coach if I'm going to be an effective coach for you. Um, and so a red flag early on is if you're not if you're not communicating with me just in the setting up the coaching relationship process, that's not going to be a good word. And so I've kind of learned that those are honestly the biggest things that I've, I've run into is just like poor communication. And if the goals, like if you don't have like a kind of a performance goal in mind, and it doesn't need to be, I want to PR this race. It could be like, I want to get faster or I want to build my base up or like in order to then PR a year later. So like I have people that like, they really need the accountability and the structure because they do have a long-term goal. They may not have a race right now, but they have a long-term goal and they need that accountability to get themselves built up so that they can be successful in their training cycle. And that's perfectly fine. As long as it is a, you have some sort of goal, that's going to be, going to be helpful. But yeah, so those are the biggest things in terms of, of clients. And I, I will say with my group program, I do have a Slack group that all of my, my athletes are part of. So no matter how I coach you, I have a Slack group that people are part of. And if you're part of the group program, it is beneficial to be active in Slack in some way, because then, then you get just more out of the group program in terms of like camaraderie with your, with your mm-hmm. teammates. So my one-on-one clients are in there too. They don't all talking there some of them do but I do have like team races throughout the year that like I travel to and like we have team meetups so you just get more out of the experience if you're 
part that that's a big part of my coaching is the community piece that I know not everybody has as a part of their coaching. Yeah, I like the community aspect. And so when I used to run with Fleet Fleet, I think that was it was to motivate me to get out of bed. And it's always nice to have people running, which particularly when you get past 10 miles, I think it's just better with company. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so have you ever had clients with that you've had to fire or have fired you? Yes. When I was first starting my business, I definitely like you're kind of, you know, you're starting from zero. So you kind of take on anyone that is willing to work with you. So yeah, I definitely had people who were not good fit. Going back to the communication piece there, like there's a couple of people who just like weren't doing any of their workouts. Not any? Weren't doing anything. <laughs> like their plan wasn't updated. I like reached out to them. Like I had one girl who completely ghosted me. <laughs> Just like early, like this is like three years ago, just completely ghosted me. I was like, okay, you know, if you're not going to do the workouts, like there's no point in me putting in work into this. If you're not going to put in any work, like if you're not going to do any workouts and I, that's also another type red of flag. client. Yeah. Red flag is if they're, if they're brand, brand new to running and they don't have that any internal motivation yet so it's it's fine to like I, I actually really enjoy coaching newer runners um and like mid to back of the pack runners like I really enjoy coaching that type mm -hmm. of runner but if you're brand brand new I find that sometimes and this has been my experience that and sometimes I hesitate to bring on brand brand new runners because they they don't do the workouts I've mm -hmm. had that happen multiple times where they just don't do the workouts and because even though they're paying for it and it's programmed for them they don't have this clear goal in mind because they just don't have the experience kind of in the background. So mm -hmm. if it's a new runner and they're like, I'm doing this half marathon, I'm signed up, whatever, that's different from someone who's like, oh, I just want to start running again. Because then yeah. it's kind of just like, you know, so I've had to kind of let those go and just like, hey, I just don't think this is a good fit. You know, I think and I usually point them and hey, like, this is a great like couch to 5k plan that you can follow. Or I, I try to point them to a resource so they have mm -hmm. something, but um, in cases like that, it's just like, and there are coaches that are probably, there are good for them. I'm just not the coach for them. And I have learned that if it's not a good fit for me and I don't enjoy coaching them, it's just not worth, like, even yeah. if they're paying me the money, it's not worth, it's not worth it. It's like, not worth I'd your rather, time. Yeah. That's not worth my time. And I, you know, trying to track them down and stuff like that. So, and in terms of like firing me, like, you know, I always have the open conversation. So now I have a contract. So the first couple of years, um, I kind of just did month to month with my athletes, but with my one-on-one -on -one athletes, like they sign a contract. So there's different lengths of contracts that they sign for. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so then it naturally opens up to like the conversation of like after six months or 12 months or it is, Hey, like, and I guide those conversations of like, um, Hey, you know, let's work together. And I generally have a good sense, like, of, if it's working, if it's if, if you're it's working or not, or where people are at. And I've had people who like, you know, I have someone I coached for the last couple of years and he wants to focus on an, another passion of his photography and kind of less do less running. He just, I mean, he's been running a lot. He just ran a marathon and PR'd and stuff like that. So I've had those situations where like, it was a great coaching relationship. They just want to kind of focus on something else. So I don't really consider that like firing. It's more so just kind of moving on, taking a pause. Um, and I be, I don't have as many of those now because I screen my people more. 
So like my roster is just, it's more people that I really enjoy working with because I do more screening of them from the get go, which has been helpful. Would you recommend a coach for nine out of 10 runners or do you think it kind of depends on the person's goals and aspirations? I think, I mean, I think anybody can benefit from a coach, but I think it depends on, like I said, you need to have a clear goal um, in mind and it doesn't need to be a a race. It can just be, you know, there are certain parts of your running that you want to improve upon and it really depends on the coach because there's definitely coaches who will hold your hand. I'm not a hold your hand coach. Like I'm, I'm here for you as much as you need me. Um, and my one-on-one athletes have texting access to me, email access to me, like, um, and you know, I want to hear from my athletes and some of them just like put notes in their, in their, uh, their program and that's fine. But, um, I'm not a hold your hand coach. Like I'm not going to be like, Hey, did you do your workout today? No, I expect you to do your workouts unless I hear from you and there's something going on and then we can adjust. Like I'm not someone who's like, you must do your workout on this day or die. Like I'm not like a, like that type of coach at all. Like life happens and you know, we need to make adjustments. That's what I'm here for is to help you make sure that you still can have a successful uh, training with all the things that come at you with life. So Um, but I think for runners that don't have a clear sense of what their goals are, I don't think that they should be working with a coach until they know what their goals are. Um, I also think there is a benefit to kind of like doing your first half or marathon or whatever, and kind of failing a little bit, like Mm -hmm. not, you know, kind of messing up a bunch of things or you just like, you know, not really knowing what you're doing and then realizing a coach is going to help you get to the next place that you want to be. So I do think there is benefit to of doing something first and then realizing you could do it better if, and like get to your goal faster if someone was helping you along the way. So that makes sense. Was it hard to go, um, I guess the transition from part-time cause you said you coach with the running store to going out on your own as a full business. Yes. I think one of the hardest things, and I'm like finally starting to kind of get in a flow, but because I have my business, but I also coach in in gyms. So now I just have Equinox. I don't have two gyms that I coach at like I was pre-COVID. I was really bad at setting boundaries before COVID. So I would, I coached like 13 to 15 classes a week and was like doing lots of stuff. And then also my business, I was always tired. I was always stressed and overwhelmed and I didn't manage my time. Well, I also was like trying to do all the things. I didn't have clear goals with my business. And so it was just, it was a lot. Um, I think COVID gave me realized I was burnt out (laughs) um, and that I don't want to teach that many classes ever again. Um, I think my sweet spot's like six to 10 classes a week. Right now I have seven, I think, um, classes a week, which is a good number for me because I really enjoy teaching in person and being part of a, a community in terms of the gym, but it's manageable. So I doesn't feel like I'm, I'm overwhelmed. So, um, and then just with the flow of my business, I think I finally, I finally like have very more, like my services are more streamlined and I'm like honing in on certain things, not trying to do lots of different things, but I have like specific things I'm focused on and I have a better sense of my 
flow of things I need to accomplish each week with my business. So it took a while to figure that out though. So I think that's kind of most challenging thing is like, you don't have like the structure, you have to create your own structure, structure as a business owner. Like you don't have your boss, your own, you're your own boss. And I think the other part, quite frankly, is like money. I mean, I just like left my job and started my business. So I, a lot of times that's not recommended, which like, that's <laughs> fine. I'm not someone who half asses things. I very much kind of, when I decide something, I do it. And I, I kind of just have the attitude of like, I'm going to make my I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to make it work. Like I always have, like I paid for college myself. I've always figured out a way to make sure things like happen. So I think that was my attitude going into it. But the first couple of years of business, like are very challenging in terms of finances. And Mm -hmm. like, I definitely had to cut back on stuff. I probably didn't as much as some people do, but like, I'm just now starting to make close to what I was making before starting my business. But I also have like credit card bills that built up because yeah. when I started my business, I couldn't pay them all in full. like yeah. before. So I think that's something that is not talked a lot about a lot, but is very much a real thing for starting a business is especially when you just do it and you don't have like your full-time job and then there's side hustle mm-hmm. for a while. Like I just did it. So I think that's something that definitely adds stress to to your plate is the financial piece definitely in a a much better place I was a couple years ago and finally don't feel overwhelmed all the time like I used to which is good which is good stress is bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) season four we will continue the segment as the doc if you have any musculoskeletal questions please go to my website, click on the link, leave voice message, leave your question and select questions will be answered on the segment. So your coaching business seemed a little different from others in that you focus on injury prevention, strength training, and uh, you promote a welcoming environment for your runners. Like it seems like your business model is different from other running coaches. So in terms of my business model, I think with the community piece, community has always been really important to me. So when I started run coaching with the program, uh, with a local running store, building community was really important. And I think for me, when I first started running as an adult, um, I didn't really know a lot of people that ran. And so I, didn't have that community when I first started running. And I think that um, I'm, I mean, I'm just stubborn. And so I stick with things. So I like, even if I don't have a community around me now, I have a really amazing running community that I'm really thankful for. But I think sometimes when people are first starting to get into running or they don't have a lot of running friends, they like, they need that community. That community can be so helpful to have. And so I want to at least be one, um, one person that can provide that community for people. And honestly, I think that when I was, just just in my life, I've had a lot of times when I haven't felt part of a community. And so I think um, having those experiences where I've felt very left out of things and not saying people have left me out intentionally, mm. but I think as a, as a leader, as a coach, uh, it's part of my responsibility to make everyone feel included. And so 
you know, with our, because all my coaching is online, when I lived in Washington, DC, I did do some um, in-person coaching with my group training program. And then when I moved to Chicago last year, um, all my coaching became online and I don't plan on doing any in-person run coaching in Chicago outside of Equinox. To me, I was like, okay, well, I need to figure out a way to still keep it community, which was, is where Slack comes in play. And so people post a lot in Slack. And, and that's also why I have starting, well, it kind of started it this fall, but especially starting next year, I will have designated races each season that I will be traveling to and will be team weekends. And so people, if people want to sign up for that race and sign up for the program um, or my one-on-one athletes, like that will be a race that I will be at. There'll be team events at and that kind of thing. But I just think you stay in the sport, you stay in things more if you have a community of people that are supporting you. And so I just think that's really important. Uh, with the strength training, the injury prevention, I think that um, that's always been, I think I started getting interested in that when I was running and I started, I had little different injuries, nothing crazy, but I went to physical therapy and I, having the background that I do, like my degree was in exercise science, like I was always interested in that. And so you know, when I, I actually, I mean, don't like going PT, but I kind of do. I always enjoy <laughs> like learning about my body. And, and now when I go to physical therapy, um, I always look at it as like, okay, I'm not only helping myself, but I'm learning more things that I can add to my toolbox for my athlete. I think that, you know, the body is, there's a lot of, so many things are so connected and there's so many things that can, that happen with aches and pains and injuries and things like that. And I, so I've always kind of enjoyed knowing more about that. And so I started kind of incorporating some strength stuff with the like optional after our track workouts when I coached with the running store. And then when I started my business, I was like, I'm going to get my personal training certification because I think it's important that I'm certified in what I'm talking about. Like, even though I do have a degree in it, I do think it's important that I have that certification. And so, and then I started working in group fitness as well. The thing with strength training and injury prevention, I, you know, to become a good runner and meet your goals, you need to be consistent. Like consistency is a huge piece. You can't be consistent if you're always injured. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so <laughs> I think, and, and a big thing of injuries is like, one is like, you're doing too much too soon. Um, or, you know, you're intense, you're doing too many workouts at a high, too high of an intensity. Yeah. So that's, those are two big things. But another big thing with runners is just you have imbalances because you're just running all the time mm -hmm. and you're not strengthening. Your body's not strong enough to handle mm -hmm. the stress that you're putting mm -hmm. on it. And so strength training is so important. And I think a lot of runners don't know what to do. They don't make the time to do it or they just do lots of random stuff. And so, yep. like, <laughs> so yeah. And so I, I think like, I did Zoom classes throughout the pandemic that were very focused on runners and those had great results and people like, I had a really solid crew, but I just, I got really, one, I was Zoomed out and I just yes. didn't do Zoom, <laughs> teach Zoom anymore. And then two, um, you can only reach so many people when you're doing classes. So I just launched last month, a few weeks ago, a monthly strength program for runners and it's through an app called Trainerize. And so it's like several workouts each week that kind of progress. And every month cool. like, there's a new set of workouts. There videos? Yeah. So there's videos of all the exercises. There's a place to put down like the weight that they're using, the reps they're doing. Um, so it kind of progresses throughout, but they're very much designed with runners in mind. There's two 
that are like 25, 30 minutes, and then two that are like shorter, like 10, 15. So all the workouts combined is like just over an hour a week. So it's very much like able to fit into a runner's schedule. They can do it when they want. And it's, it's meant to like focus, like it's kind of a combo of bigger compound movements as well as small like movements, abandoned movements, things that they need to be, runners need to be doing as well. So it's a combo of both. And I think with my background, it's a, it's an area that a lot, a lot of run coaches like have the expertise on. So it's like, I have the knowledge from group fitness, from personal training stuff, from like functional strength courses I've taken, as well as teaching people in person, like helping people with their form and also having gone to physical therapy a lot myself and just knowing and taking in also like what my athletes have come to me with in terms of their injuries. Like that's all stuff that kind of have combined developed the workouts that I do so that they're kind of helping to prevent injuries before they happen, but they're also meant to be not spending hours in the gym. So they're like short and effective and runners don't need to be spending hours in the gym. They kind of, they want to, but really like an hour or so a week can go a very long way in like preventing injuries and not a lot of runners do it. I think that's very important. I'm like the poster child of running and other injuries. (laughs) My first running coach, uh, I gave her my list of races and what I did. Basically, I was doing too much. She's like, that's why you're injured. And I didn't listen to her. And actually, she fired me because I was still doing too much. (laughs) So I I can attest to um, injury prevention and strength training are key to runners. And a lot of people think they just need to run more, but it's not always about running more. Yep. So what is the most rewarding aspect of coaching? So a couple. So one is just like within my Slack group, when I see my athletes, just like how supportive they are of each other. Like sometimes it just makes me want to cry because it's, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm active in the Slack group and answer questions like that, but a lot of the Slack group is driven by my athletes and just the support they show each other. Just, I mean, people post stuff. It's a very safe space. And I think that just awesome to see just the community that has built from my team. Like, it's just really, really awesome. I, I will say when I left DC, a lot of my, my athletes still live in DC because I lived in DC for so long. And that's where I started my business. I have athletes everywhere. So now we kind of call it TW West Coast, TW East, TW <laughs> Midwest. So we do, there are people all over now, but um, there's still a lot of people in DC. And I think there always will be just because I had, that's where I was, was for so long. But when I, when I moved to Chicago, I was actually a little bit scared. And I think that's actually what prevented me from moving, even though I think subconsciously I, I wanted to move a few years prior, but I think I kind of pushed it aside. I was scared of moving because I thought that my business would just wouldn't survive mm-hmm. because I had so many clients in DC. And obviously with the pandemic, everybody had to pivot. And so it showed me, well, yes, I can do this all online. So, but I was a little scared that I would lose a lot of clients because I wasn't there anymore. Um, but that hasn't happened and they still meet and meet up for runs and, um, okay. and like, so that's one thing that is really rewarding. And the other is just like seeing my athletes hit their goals. I mean, I had, so Richmond was a team weekend uh, about a month ago and there was, I think, I think there was 12 of us there from the team. And it just, 
I don't know. I, I do coach a lot of runners who are in their like forties, fifties kind of range. I definitely have okay. runners that are younger, but I, I coach a good number of runners who are in their forties and fifties. And, you know, and I, I mean, I have some in their twenties and thirties too, but um, I'd say probably the uh, mean age is somewhere probably high thirties, maybe low forties okay. for my athletes, but seeing some of them, like I have a guy who is mid fifties and he had like a 45 minute marathon PR. He hadn't run a marathon in like 10 years, 11 years. Um, and he was, he missed Boston by like one minute, Boston qualifier by one minute. And like, that was just, a lot of my athletes had like had amazing PRs. And so just seeing their hard work pay off is just so rewarding. And this is also rewarding is when my athletes, they listen to their body. So like athletes who maybe would have run through something like mm-hmm. or who are like, hey, I stopped my run early because I was having this pain. So that also is rewarding because it's they have ingrained in them to be smarter runners. Yes. I think for me, it's, it's a process like, to get. Yeah, there. <laughs> it is. And I think that like, I mean, I have people that I've been coaching for a while and and a lot of it is because they want that structure, the accountability and just someone telling them what to do. So I mean, there's some people like, you know, once they leave me, I hope what the biggest thing they take away is being a smarter runner and knowing not running through pain and Mm -hmm. like knowing it's okay to take an extra rest day Mm -hmm. and not beating themselves up. I definitely have athletes who I am sometimes a therapist a little bit too as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Especially (laughs) during the pandemic, I was of just being like, you know, give yourself some grace and like, it's okay to take an extra rest day. And like, this is going to help you more later. And so mm-hmm. I think for me, it's just rewarding to see the growth in my athletes, not just with their physical, you know, their times and their, their speed, but seeing the progress mentally and like how they've progressed, like mentally is really rewarding as well. I was just going to comment. I love your Instagram posts because they're real. Um, I know you mentioned uh, like um, rest days and such people think stress is just related to say their job or their relationship, but it can have an effect on your body and that can affect your run performance and make you more prone to injuries. So it's like a lot of people on social media, I don't know, promote going hard all the time and that's just not realistic. And that's and that will cause you to get injured. I've been there. Every run is not supposed to be a PR and you're not supposed to go hard all the time. It's balance. So that's why I love your Instagram post. Thank you. You know, it's hard to combat. Like I said, the fitness industry is just a beast. You know, obviously running is part of the fitness industry and it can be exhausting sometimes. Just all the stuff that's on social media. That's just so, it's just making people (laughs) get injured and also, people get ingrained in them if they need to go hard all the time. And that this is not just with running, it's just with fitness in general. If they have to go hard all the time to see results, then then eventually they like they typically burn out and then they have to like stop for a while or they just they burn out of running or they burn out of whatever it may be and they because they did too much of it. And that's just really sad too, because then, you know, it's a it's a fine line because you do need to go hard sometimes. I think sometimes with with my coaching, like I very much am an understanding coach, but sometimes I'm also just like, why isn't this happening? Like there's some people I just be like, why isn't this happening? Finding that line, it's a fine line of like being tough, being a tough coach, and being like, what's going on here? 
but also having grace and knowing that life happens. So it's kind of a, you kind of get to know your athletes and kind of know where you can push them in certain areas, but there's definitely sometimes that it's a choose my words carefully because I need to give some tough love, but I also like don't want to come across as like, I don't understand what's going on in your life type of thing. So, so how do you balance coaching and your own running fitness and goals? Great question. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the reasons that I do not plan on doing any in-person run coaching in Chicago is it was really challenging for me to balance that in DC. So when I coached running in person and I did track workouts once a week and I led long runs once a week, it was just, it was really hard for me to separate my own running from my coaching and I found that here I like, I have, like, I have a run group I come to, I go to in Chicago that's purely for my enjoyment. Like, I'm not a coach. I mean, people, a lot of people know I'm a coach and whatever, that's fine. But, you know, I'm not coaching the group. I'm not a leader of the group. Like, I'll do, I mean, I, I've been there for a long time. So I'm kind of OG, but, um, <laughs> you know, I don't need to be involved. Like, I know some of the back end stuff that goes on because I'm, I'm friends with the leaders of the group, but I don't need to be, planning a bunch of stuff because that I like and enjoy planning stuff, but that's just where I go for fun and my own enjoyment. And I think something I'm doing this year in particular is now that races are back um, and hopefully they'll stay back. They're outside. So I don't think that they're going to be canceled for, for COVID stuff, but is not racing the same races that my that like I'm traveling to, to, to like cheering at races that I'm not going to run myself. So I think for me, it's just, I have different goals and I think it's separating. I think that online and the in-person coaching has been helpful in Chicago. So I can focus on my own goals and still give quality coaching to my athletes and not get burnt out. I also like during my like marathon training, have a coach myself because then it takes the like, mental energy of having to figure out my own workouts. So I just get, I have coached myself Good. <laughs> um, during kind of high times, especially this summer or like when I'm in an intense training cycle. So like right now I'm taking a break from having a coach just because I'm kind of just doing whatever I had to kind of have some different goals that aren't completely running related. So just kind of doing my own thing, but the separation has been helpful. I think it's interesting too, is I think sometimes when I'm in my own downs of running like it's harder for me to think of content and things like that because I'm maybe I'm not as motivated or I'm mm -hmm. kind of like in my off season and so I've had to like check myself on that a little bit like obviously it's okay because I have the same ups and downs that other runners do even though I'm not immune to it because I'm a coach but mm -hmm. I think I think because I am I do have a presence like online and things like that it's just something I have to be I'm more conscious of when I'm having those downtimes because I'm not as creative with thinking of content because <laughs> I'm not as feeling as inspired. So mm -hmm. it definitely can impact things, but it's just, I think the awareness is important and then finding ways to deal with it. So how did you start running in the first place? So I ran cross country and track in high school, middle school and high school. So I did run like as a kid. Um, and then I really didn't do much in college. I like would run here and there, but I wasn't super active. And then when I was a teacher, I taught for four years. I really didn't work out as I worked a lot. So I was on my feet all the time. So I really like 
I was really active. I just didn't work out. So when I moved to DC, 2009, started working, I was still in education, but I was working more of an office setting. So I wasn't as active and I was like, my clothes were fitting a lot tighter. So like, I'm not someone who like weighs myself. I don't even own a scale, but I wow. do like kind of, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't care about weight. It's more like how to, how do my clothes feel? And like, how do I look? So I, my clothes were just fitting a lot tighter and I was like, okay, I need to start working out because I'm not as active in my job. So I started, you know, I joined the gym and like, I, but I'm like, I just isn't, I just wasn't very motivated. So um, a friend of mine who I went to college with asked if I wanted to do, like, she's thinking about doing this half marathon. I was like, okay. So I signed up for the half marathon and that's what like motivated me to start actually like running again. And, you know, that was in 2010. I did my first half marathon. So I, that's how I kind of get into it. I, I found a training plan online and just followed the training plan and, you know, ran, ran it. And I, I didn't really have friends that ran at that time. So I would like ask questions at like the running store, like about gels and I would read at runner's world. And I, I would just do a lot of reading and like, just figure out what I needed to do. So, and then from there, it really was like signing up for races. So for a long time, the only way I trained was by having races on the calendar. Mm -hmm. And so now if that's not the case, like, you know, I, I run cause I enjoy it and I have a kind of consistent habit, but for a long time, it was like, I signed up for races and that's the only, I had a lot of races on the calendar. So I always was training for the most part. And so say it wasn't until maybe four, four years ago, four or five years ago, I didn't have to have a race on the calendar to like run. Like I enjoyed running and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's when I started running with more running groups as well. I think that's helpful to have like running groups because like right now, like I'm running maybe three days a week because I'm focusing on other like cross training stuff, strength training a lot more. So, but I'm like, okay, well, I have a run group. Like I have reasons to run because I have people to meet and see. That's really the only reason I'm running right now is for <laughs> to see people or convenience, like to run commute to like get to get yeah. to Equinox. But I, that's really, that's my only motivation right now to run is to see people. So that's helpful. When I first started doing races, I love races. I like the people, the crowds, the half hours. So I, I used to make a joke. It's like a run to race because you have to train <laughs> to actually yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. But now it's yeah. like more because it's like I do triathlons more so. And it's like if I run too much, I'm injured. So it's like yeah. it's more it's like a stress reliever. And <laughs> I've been so hurt so long. So it's like I'm just happy when I can just run and just be carefree and not think about is my knee hurting? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Is my foot hurting? Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, the mental piece, I th I agree with you, like the mental benefits, I think, too, when you realize that with running, or whatever your sport of choices, that it, when you, the mental benefits, a lot of times outweigh the physical benefits, because you're just, it gives you that, that relief. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite race? Yes, my favorite half marathon is actually would probably be like Richmond. Really? <laughs> I know okay. it's kind of random, but so I've done Richmond half marathon five times. I've PR'd three times on that course and I just, it's a great race. It's like, it's big enough that it's like, there's enough people, there's people around you, but it's small enough that it's like, it's easy to navigate. It's I, I like the city of Richmond and when I lived in DC, you know, it's two hour drive. So now, you know, I flew in a month ago when I, when I was there, but I don't know. I really, you get a blanket, a fleece blanket at the end. Like you, like it's I like blankets. Good, yeah. They, they have, 
good like get pizza and beer at the end and like they have good like a good finish line thing so it's always good weather so that's probably like my favorite half marathon and then my favorite marathon I'm doing the world majors and I'm also doing a race in all 50 states so okay um, I've done 27 states is a half or a full and I've done 27 uh, and then I've done three of the world majors so I've done Berlin New York and Chicago but so Chicago is definitely, so New York is amazing. I definitely, I definitely want to do New York again. Chicago definitely just is my, one of my favorite marathons. And it, I think it's funny that I live here now because I did it twice before I, I lived mm-hmm. here and I just did it this past fall. As That's funny. I did the same, the two before I moved here and then one, and I've done New York and Berlin and I want to do all of them. Oh, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I don't know, Chicago just, I mean, I think there's a reason I moved here. It's just like, I like the energy here is, I love the energy here, but uh, Big Sur is really awesome. It's beautiful. Hmm. So I did Big Sur. That. So that's a really beautiful race. I really like grandmas. A lot of my, in Duluth, which I'm doing the half this this coming year, not the full, but I'm doing the half. A lot of my races that I like the most, a lot of times have like good memories associated with them as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's races I've done that there's some races I wouldn't do again, just because it was, there's nothing special about mm-hmm. it. And I did that state and it was kind of hard to get to or like whatever, but there's some races that uh, I think I had positive memories associated with them. They're just, they stick out in my head is, and even though Chicago, I had a bad race in 2017. Like I still, I still love the, I still love the race. So but yeah, so those are probably some of my favorites. But the cool thing about doing a race in every state is like you see so many places you wouldn't see mm-hmm. otherwise. And like there's places in the south and places in the middle of the country that like I would never go to if I wasn't doing the state goal. And you discover some cool things. So every city town has cool things and it's I don't know, it gives you a better appreciation also for the country that we live in and That's true. um that kind of thing. I know you recently moved from D.C. Uh, is the D.C. running community any different from Chicago? Or you feel like it's similar? Runners are runners. <laughs> you know, they're they're definitely different. So, and it's, I think it's because the cultures are different in different cities. So, D.C. is very much a city that, what do you do? Like, your job is very, like, much part of your identity, and which is fine. Chicago is more like, so my run crew, my run club, like we always go to the bar after. I think Chicago has a bigger diversity of run clubs. So there's some that are very competitive. Like Chicago has some really fast runners. And I think there's some run clubs that are very competitive and whatever. But there's also a lot of running groups that are, you know, social in nature. And now that we're coming, well, we're still in the pandemic, but now that <laughs> run groups are meeting again, like there's, I've, I'm always discovering new ones to kind of find ones on, on social media. DC also has a lot of running groups, but, and I ran with uh, district running collective in DC for three years. And I, I still like kind of am connected with them and I, and I love them. Um, and it was a more diverse running group than the one I, I run with here, but DC doesn't have as many running groups, I would say. Mm. So Chicago has, I mean, it has the lakefront and has the 606, but it doesn't have as many like running trails unless you were to like go outside of the immediate city. DC has more trails, I'd say also because you have Maryland and Virginia, like right there. So there's probably like four or five different routes slash trails that like I'd alternate between in pre COVID times, COVID it was a little different because 
some of the trails were crazy busy because you have everybody just wanting to be outside so mm-hmm. people just crowding the trails and then and the trails aren't as big as they are like the lakefront trail so i think there's a stronger running community in chicago and i think that also having a marathon that is such a the world major mm-hmm. i think also really brings together the running community so i think it's i don't know i'm you know i'm still learning a lot of the local races in this area in chicago because i've only been here for a year and part of it good part of it was in the pandemic when there wasn't stuff going on so but i think that yeah both have really strong running communities but i think having a world major marathon just like adds a little extra something to the city and like it's just it's really cool to be in a city that has a world major it's just uh mm-hmm. it's you know dc has marine corps marathon which is a great marathon i did mm-hmm. it three times but you know you don't get it's not a world major so it's, it's just you don't have the excitement and you don't have like the whole city getting into it like a lot of people in dc who aren't runners would be like why are they shutting our roads down like it's just like a very <laughs> i mean i'm serious like can't get through. I can't, I have to, whatever. I mean, I'm sure people will complain here too, but like, I don't know. I think that there's so many people in Chicago that running the marathon is a bucket list, even if they're not really a runner because Chicago is such a big marathon. That is not the case in DC. So I, I think in some ways it's almost easier to get into running in Chicago because there's just more support for it. It makes sense. So part of my podcast is to have guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line, whether it be running, personal, professional. Can you share an experience with my listeners? I'm a first-generation college student, so I come from a low-income background. And like just going to college and making it through college and being able to – because I paid for college myself. And there was a lot of times in college where – I had no idea how I was going to pay for the next semester. And so and I didn't have the support from home because mm-hmm. no, no one had been to college before. And so, yeah. So I think like, I think I've had a lot of hurdles that that was definitely a big one. It was just like make paying my way through getting to college and paying my way through college and navigating the whole thing. A lot of it by myself. And I didn't have, even though there are a lot of resources in college, I didn't know about a lot of them because I didn't know to even explore them. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when like you're, when you're first generation college student, it's not just sometimes the financial piece. It's also like, you don't have people like your parents didn't do it. So they, you have no guidance of yeah. like you what know the, you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connections or people you should seek out and things like that. Right. Exactly. So I, you know, I feel like I did fine and I did teach for America after college and, you know, which is a, pretty hard program to get into. But I, I think that was like one hurdle. And then leaving a career after 12 years and starting a business, I think is a pretty big leap. And, you know, it's been just over four years since I started my business and I'm still, still happening. And (laughs) we're still, we're still going, we're still growing, you know, a little bit each year. And and then moving in the middle of the pandemic to a city where I really didn't know anybody. I feel like I've had a good number of like hurdles I've had to overcome and and figure things out. But I'm someone who like doesn't always I don't dwell on I don't dwell on my hurdles. I kind of mm-hmm. just like, all right, I gotta figure this out. Mm-hmm. I kind of that's like I just like with my business, it was like 
I didn't even consider staying in education any longer. I was like, I'm really burnt out and I'm leaving. So like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so it was, it was like, well, if came bills, I can do this. I can always get a bartending job. And I did bartend for like a year, Ooh. my first year in business a few times a week, just to help pay off, to have some spending money, pay some, pay some bills. So I've always been just to like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I need to be better about asking for help because I definitely have had times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I, and, and giving myself grace because I, I think a lot of times I have just like overcome different things, but I don't really sit down to process it. And I also don't give myself enough credit for things that I've like, overcome. Mm-hmm. like, yeah. and my friends are like, you've done, what are you talking about? Yeah. You did XYZ. And I'm like, oh yeah. Or like, that's a big deal. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess so. Like even just the fact that like, I'm the only one in my family that has a, you know, went to college and I have my master's as well. Like I went and got my master's as well. Like I don't always acknowledge how big a deal that actually is. The fact that like, I am the only one in my family that has a college education. My younger brothers didn't go to college either. So I am the only one who, who went to college. So I, so yeah, in terms of hurdles, I think like there's always been kind of hurdles. Some of them self-made, like, you know, starting a business is a self-made yeah, <laughs> hurdle. Of but that's a good hurdle. Effort. It's a good hurdle. When I decided I was going to move, like I literally decided on a trip to Michigan. I drove to Michigan to get away from DC during for a few weeks during the pandemic. And I was like, I need to move. I moved to Chicago. And two months later, I moved. When I make a decision, I figure out a way to do it. And I don't really, and I know not everyone lives their life that way, but I don't like to be, if I know that I, if I can tell that I'm really unhappy, then I just, just do it. I just, yeah, make a change to I do it. I think it's so. when it's the, like runner's mentality. Like when you're, I don't know, every marathon I've run has always been, I shouldn't say a disaster, but something went wrong. But it's like, you kind of have to make it through the pain or make it through the suffering. Cause I remember one race I was about to die and I'm like, if I can do this, I can do anything. So it kind of just <laughs> changes your your attitude, like I can deal with this BS because I've done that. I've done this hard thing so I can do another hard thing. So it kind of helps you kind of process things outside of running. Oh, 100%. If you can do those hard things. I use that in coaching too when I'm, I mean, I coach treadmill classes um, at Equinox and when we're in hard intervals, I'm like, this is the mental toughness. Like this piece right here, like this is where you change. Yeah, physically, but mentally, like this is where you change. When you push yourself, when you dig a little bit deeper, like this is where the change happens that you can bring to other parts of your life. It's like when you're working really hard and you do something that you didn't think you could do or that was just was really hard to accomplish, like it does go to other parts of your life. And I do think that running or really any endurance sport really lends itself well to that. And you see more of that. So if a present day Tammy could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? (laughs) That's a good question. I think to be more open to like help. Like I I close myself off a lot. So I'm very much, I I close myself off a lot to to help or it's, it's hard for me to, it takes a while for me to trust people. I think that I definitely missed out on certain things because I closed myself out off. I think I definitely take big leaps and I bet on myself, but it also, there's a lot of small times when I don't bet on myself that I Mm -hmm. should have. So Mm -hmm. I think like going back, like 
telling my younger self to like not care as much about what other people think Mm -hmm. to be more open to people's offers of like wanting to help you and not think of it as like a weakness like if you need to ask for help from a young age I've always been like that is very I'm very independent and like I can do things myself I think that it's just now starting to like really undo that a little bit and recognizing that any last minute words of advice for my listeners set those big goals go after them be consistent if you don't like to run Find an activity that you do like to do. I think, you know, sometimes people have asked me, you know, I'm a running coach, obviously, of like, what if, what if I don't like to run? Then that's okay. Like, that's fine. But I think like in, in fitness in general, you got to find what you enjoy doing. So because you're never going to be consistent with something you don't like. So if you mm-hmm. hate running, like don't run. If you, if you, if you hate cycling, don't cycle. Like if you hate yoga, I don't really like, I'm not gonna say I hate yoga. But I don't really enjoy yoga. Like stretching's fine, but I just I don't enjoy yoga. Then like don't do that. So just find something you're you, you enjoy doing. Move your body. Movement is is medicine. Movement is, is helpful. So where can people find you? Yeah. So social media. My handle is coach underscore tammy dot w. And uh, my website. My business is tw training and wellness. So twtrainingwellness dot com. Well, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rita. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapyolb Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapyomahalovebrown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you and please tune in again.